Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome to another episode of the Tapecast. My name is Davis Matic. You guys can find me on Twitter at Davis Matic. In this episode of the show, I was lucky enough to again be joined by Drew Dinkmeyer and Michael Gallagher to go around the NBA and discuss some of the biggest things that are going on in the league right now that are relevant for daily fantasy, that are relevant for betting on NBA futures. In fact, we did talk quite extensively about the NBA futures market in this podcast and also some important waiver stuff for seasonal leagues, really everything that you need to know if you are trying to profit off of the NBA right now, or if you just like to talk about the NBA and hear other people that you like talk about the National Basketball Association. Of course, we are sponsored by DailyRoto.com. You can get 10% off of the best projections, optimizers, and tools in the industry using the promo code Janis, J-A-N-I-S. You can also support the show by subscribing on Patreon, patreon.com slash TateCast. You get bonus episodes of the show and help, uh, you know, just help the podcast continue functioning as it does right now. And if you don't want to do any of that but still want to show some support just please open your phone go to itunes google play wherever you do your reviews leave a five-star rating leave a five-star review very helpful very useful i will appreciate it very much and now let's go ahead and get into the episode all right everyone looping in michael gallagher andrew dinkmeyer we are back for our monday NBA podcast. Uh, we're we're going to run through the important topics du jour. We're going to let Drew tilt about his mm-hmm. high-stakes season-long basketball teams and how frustrated it's making him. We're going to let Mike tout a bunch of young guys, and it's just going to be it's going to be our our normal show. But uh, we we were just talking about one of the most confounding things in the NBA right now, which is that Carl Anthony Towns has now been listed as questionable for Mike. You said thirteen games in a row. At least uh, thirteen, yeah. Insane, man. Clearly, they're being very, uh, very gen- genuine in their injury listing. I mean, yes, you know, and- the first 13 or so, he was right there. He was so yep. close to playing. Getting close. <laughs> game time. It's game time on Wednesday. It didn't, didn't even go game time. Or it Thursday. Would you guys – would you guys like to hear my conspiracy theory for why they continue to list him as questionable and not doubtful or rule him out in they the morning? They want people to go to the games. No, that's not it. It's, <laughs> okay. it's be- what they don't, they don't, idea do you have? 
they don't want to list him as out immediately or make it seem like he's super hurt because they're low key like looking at trade packages and they don't want so the anybody other that anybody that trades for Carl Anthony Towns does not care that he's going to miss two weeks. You you seem to think that NBA GMs and many people involved in personnel are making only logical decisions 100% <laughs> of the time? No, I think the reason that they're listing these guys as questionable is they want you to come to the game. They want you to plan your day around coming to the game, buying those tickets, and thinking you're going to see Carl Anthony Towns. And then an hour before the game, they're going to be like, eh, he's, he's out tonight. He's out again. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, what do we, I'm, what, I'm with you. I'm with Joe. I don't. I don't really. I've never really been into the whole conspiracy they're trying to trade him thing. And they did this last year with Robert Covington. They made him doubtful instead for like a month and a half, and it was super annoying. Now they're just doing it with Cat with questionable. But like this whole thing is just with the Bulls calling everyone probable and this whole Cat questionable thing. It just makes it so hard to kind of read the tea leaves on injury reports now, just because so many teams are following suit on like the AD probable thing is like you know he has his own like probable tag, you know. Um, Wendell Carter Jr. used to have a what, probable tag all the yeah. time. It's just been so annoying how certain players have specific kind of – and the cat questionable thing, you know, there's just – we have to view each player in a separate separate instance. It's just been so annoying. It's one I was, I it's I, was I was thinking about what the league could do to try to mandate this, and I, but then it's going to – no matter what you come up with, it's going to get manipulated because the thing that I yeah. thought about was that teams would have to, by the end of the year, get within a certain range – of uh like a questionable guy would have to be there over the course of the season their entire questionables listed would have to be in a range of like 40 to 60 percent playing or something like that but what they what would end up happening is teams would just manipulate it at the very end of the year by listing a bunch of dudes to get into whatever the, yeah. the territory they need to without being fine so there's just no good solution to this i just wish i just wish it didn't matter like i wish the i i wish that the transparency around the injury situation like I, like i don't i don't know what the calculation is on this because there, i'm sure you know the short term calculation is the amount of people that will go to the game and attend the game with the hopes of seeing the players that they want to see or whatever but i don't know if the long term equation is more people who are engaged in playing fantasy and playing dfs and different things where they feel like they have a good experience and they know like how to set their lineups and different things. I don't know if that creates more long-term fans. I can't imagine you could even really sell or individual organizations on that when they're trying to hit bottom line targets um, immediately. But it's a very frustrating situation to deal with from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, and then uh, like the even like the I always talk about Ryan Archidiakono being probable all the time. Doesn't even play, and like even the Bulls beat reporters don't even mention it. But you look on the NBA official injury report, and he's probable with the elbow thing like every single game. It's like what are you doing? So I don't know. I I've I've been saying the last month or so that I think that the NBA should follow suit in the NFL and just ditch the probable tag. Like if so the guys I don't really probable. Like even like AD was probable two weeks. I'm sorry, Giannis was probable two weeks ago. And then suddenly downgraded doubtful. Like, why not just list them questionable? You know. Well, so I think that's the I think that's the team making their own mistake. The problem that the, the problem that I've had with the NFL moving away from the probable tag, and is that they have incentive to list anyone with an injury because if you don't list someone with an injury and you get caught, you get fined. So the smallest thing gets listed as questionable now, and it's very hard to decipher 
who is actually questionable and who yeah. would just be probable. And so like, I actually like having the probable tech. I, I recognize it's a lot more work to like type out and like report yeah. on and all these things. And it's super annoying and it's daily. So you have to do it all the time. But from actually knowing where the player stands in terms of probability to play, I actually like it quite a bit. And I miss it in the NFL because there's so many times where it feels like, like this weekend, um, there were a bunch of guys uh, in the NFL playoffs who were listed as questionable. That I think if we had the probable tag, they would have been listed as probable. Like I think, and it, and it would have at least given some clarity as to how, how close they are. Whereas like Mark Ingram might've been truly questionable, but Travis Kelsey was always probable. Um, and, and so I kind of miss it from that perspective, but it is, a, it is a nuisance when you're having to report on this stuff on a daily basis. And, you know, these teams are playing three or four games a week and you're having to repeat the same ones. The, the guys who are questionable and are the guys who have been probable for three months with the same injury. I don't understand. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. That's just got to go away. Just don't list them. Yeah. Are they like never healthy? I don't understand. Oh yeah. I don't, I don't get it. It, especially because someone so insignificant is Archie Diakono. Like, yeah, it's the one particular thing we, we always talk about it at Rotor World when we're trying to like write up probable guys. Like, why are we even doing this? It's so pointless. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's like it's real. It's like you said, there's kind of like no real. But I guess I guess uh, it. as we're recording now, Cat's already been ruled out tonight. So that's yep. <laughs> so that at least the questionable to out went happened a little bit earlier. Um, yeah, well, he's sick now, so so they actually ruled him out for the not knee thing, and they said. uh Alan Horton is great. Uh, the, the radio play-by-play guy had mentioned he was sick too. So on Saturday, so he was illness and knee on Saturday when he sat out. In the, that uh, that Davis Maddox mid- Midwestern flu that's killing everybody. Dude, right? it, Dude yeah. it 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 like is it's like claiming people's lives, bro. It, it it's a it's pretty intense out here. So uh, to shift a little bit away from uh, you know like, uh, conspiracy positive theories stuff. and injury reporting yeah. and some positive stuff, <laughs> I'm very excited to talk about the Grizzlies. Who yes. uh, this 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 podcast is long. Uh, John Morant, Brandon Clark. Kyle Anderson specifically for Drew, uh, just really this young core of players overall. So, Mike, talk to me about the the Grizzlies' on court performance kind of over the last two weeks since Ja returned from injury. Yeah, five game winning streak, uh, second in pace over the five game winning streak, second in offense, third in net rating, eleventh uh, in defense. Um, just overall, Ja has been just awesome. Uh, his shot selection's been improved. Uh, he's shooting. Uh, he's still turning the ball over a lot. But he's just been in January. He's at 19 points, nine dimes, four and a half turnovers. Uh, he's getting, uh, he's shooting 75% at the rim uh, this month. Uh, he's getting he's 20 drives per game. That's like kind of like league leading kind of stuff. Uh, he's shooting well off drives. He's just been just dominating uh, on the offensive side. And then Jaron Jackson Jr. has been lights out. Um, they've really been the two keys to their first unit. And obviously, Valachunas went off yesterday. But, um, yeah, Jaron Jackson, last 16, he's at 20 points, uh, 1.8 blocks, 3.5 steals. It's, like, insane combination to do that. He's been 14th and 9 cat over that 16-game stretch for the season-long people. But, yeah, they're just playing such a fun brand of basketball. And Anthony, uh, DeAnthony Mellon has been just yep. such a stalwart on defense. I've mentioned this all the time. Like, he makes bad players look horrible and good players look average. Uh, he's been a total stat stuffer, a guy that everyone wants to play more. Uh, over his last 10, he's at 19 – per 36, he's at 19-8, 5.2 dimes, 2.7 steals, 1.2 blocks. Like, if this guy gets 30 minutes, he's a fantasy stud. But uh, he and Ja have just been such a great tandem over the win, win streak. They're uh, plus 40.6 in their thir- in their 38 minutes together. That's the best among any NBA duo 
with 36 minutes played in each of their five games, uh, playing at a 113 pace as well. So, um, you know, playing great on defense at that pace is really hard to do. Uh, and it really started, if you remember, a couple Saturdays ago when they beat down the Clippers in yep. a day game. Uh, and Doc yep. had said that uh, they had better alarm clocks uh, than they did uh, when they whooped them. So, yeah, it's just been so fun. Their starters have been great, plus 18 uh, over the win streak. So, yeah, they have one of the best young uh, nucleuses in the NBA. Nuclei. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Drew, how, how impressed have you been with John Morant thus far? I mean, kind of everything that that you wanted and hoped for with Ja, I think the big thing, as Mike alluded to, is just the shot selection um, in terms of just relentlessly attacking the rim and getting good looks, uh, not only for himself, uh, but for teammates as well, has really, you know, one of the things that it, took, it used to take a while for guys to come into the league and kind of develop is that, you know, that Mike Conley-esque floater. Um, and we've seen it back in style in Memphis this year with John Morant. Uh, he's even figured that out along with his ability to, to attack the rim. So I love watching this team. And, you know, this was the team that I think Mike and I both identified in the preseason as kind of our, our late pass team this year that we were excited to watch, mostly because they had a lot of young talent that we were interested in, but we also thought they were going to play a fast, fun brand of basketball. And they're not only doing all those things, they're playing well. And I think it's such a – such a such an interesting and exciting time for Memphis basketball because they're probably a half year ahead where you would have expected. Like I kind of expected them to start playing like this maybe towards the last month of this season and then next year kind of really contend for a playoff spot. But they're in my opinion, I think this is going to be the A seed in in the West. Mm-hmm. I think I think they're the best team. I think they're also built the best to withstand injuries because they're a very deep team and they're not playing their starters crazy minutes. So, and they're young. So I think this team is really, really fun. I, you know, I'm like, I will, would be thrilled to watch an April playoff series, even though knowing they're probably getting swept by the Lakers or whatever, that would be super fun. Like this is going to be the team that I think is going to be the next version of the Denver Nuggets where you just look through the roster. There's no bad players. There's lots of good, young, intriguing talent. Um, I think their depth, their player depth pool in terms of young talent is a little bit better than what Denver started with, even though Denver, I think, had the better ceiling player with Jokic because um, Murray's kind of stalled out there and so is Gary Harris a little bit. And so I'm really excited to see Memphis keep going forward. I love Jaron Jackson Jr., kind of the, the modern big that can protect the rim, stretch it out, shooting 40-plus percent from three. Love everything that Brandon Clark does. Um, I'm super excited, and I, I'm interested to see how they handle the Valanciunas situation in, in the offseason and going forward just because – it's very clear that this the future of this team is Morant, Clark, and Jaron Jackson Jr. And one of the Clark, is, I want su- to add, Clark is such a baller. Clark's so good. Uh, I just wanted to add, Dylan Brooks has like the funniest win-loss splits ever. Uh, he has uh, in the 18 wins, he has 20 points per game on 61 true shooting, and then in the losses, 10 points per game on 43 true shooting. It's like the weirdest thing. But um, yeah, Brandon Clark, dude, he's so fun. He's like the master of the five to ten foot little floater. Uh, he does that so well, and he's just like for as, as rough as he was uh, early in his college career to be kind of almost polished as a rookie uh, for what he does. Uh, he does it so well, and like you said, he's just such a good fit um, and just really switchable and just a great combination. With uh, I just can't wait for like uh, we're almost like rooting for Valachunas to kind of like lose minutes uh, <laughs> as great as he's played because we want to see that Clark and Jaron Jackson Jr. front court. But yeah, there's just so much to like. 
Definitely. I think uh, a, a very interesting thing. Uh, this is this is a question I will I will pose to both of you. You can have the Pelicans roster, so sight unseen with Zion, some of their young guys, uh, and not not a super great cap situation. You know, not the best cap situation, but ob- like not a horrible one either. Or you can have this Grizzly situation, and we you know we've seen Ja, we've seen Morant, we've seen D'Anthony Melton, Dylan Brooks, some of these younger guys. Which which one do you take, Mike? I think it's probably got to be – I mean, you would probably say Morant and Zion are, like, almost a push right now. I don't know if that's a stretch or I, not. But, yeah. yeah. And I mean, after so, that, like, I think having go, not seen Zion play, I think you have to. Yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, it's going to be hard to see him playing 75 games in a season where Ja got shut down, but that was kind of precautionary. He had the offseason surgery. So, yeah, I think I would I would probably take Memphis, as great as Brandon Ingram's been playing. And um, Jackson Hayes has been phenomenal, by the way, too. So, he's probably – Kim, uh, yeah, I think him and Brandon that's Clark a shocker. Kinda, yeah, him and Brandon Clark are kind of in a similar tier uh, as far as like maybe a solid number three player on a, a big man on a team. Uh, so I, I would Dude, go very people edge. hated that Jackson Hayes pick. I remember it because like I don't, I don't really do the NBA draft, right? But people, I just remember people hating on the Jackson Hayes pick because they didn't think that he and Zion were going to be able to play together. Yeah. It's it's close though, um, but yeah, just with the whole uncertainty around Zion. I think that Morant is, you know, it's he's like almost he's really good. Uh, I'm not saying I wouldn't say I was down on him, but he's been better than I thought he was going to be, especially lately. What do you think, Drew? I'm trying to look through the because um, I assume you're talking not only just the roster but the the horde of cap situation well. and everything. Yeah, their timeline and just yeah. to add to it, their timeline is like. Well, but better put together where they have – they're going to have to play Ingram a lot, the Pelicans. They're gonna, like, Drew Holiday, yeah. we don't know if he's going to be around. So, I think yeah. – and I mentioned this all offseason too. Like, they actually have a plan now. For years, they were like, okay, we'll just kind of figure it out, figure it out. But now they actually have a plan. I love that. Yeah. yeah I, I, uh, I like I that think, too. I think I would lean Memphis. Uh, but New Orleans just has so many picks. And I'm looking at Memphis's pick situation. I guess they – they don't have their pick for this year. It would go to the Celtics, it looks like. Oh, yeah. It's, um, pretty, uh, it's like top, top six protected. protected. Yeah. So they're probably not going to have a first-round pick this year. Um, and then I think their pick then, – then I think they might have a pick that defers beyond that from the Jazz. So, like, their, their pick situation, they don't have a ton to add uh, via the draft in the immediate, but they really don't need it. They don't really need much. Yeah. They could use – like one really standout wing player at some point, um, which is really hard to get in free agency. Those guys just don't come around. Um, but I mean, the the Morants, Jaron Jackson, Clark, you've got the the one and the four or five kind of locked up for a while. And I think Melton is showing good enough strides that you could have the, you know, him as a combo guard with Morants. And then you just need wings. Um, so yeah, I'd probably take Memphis's situation. I think the pieces fit pretty well. And I think the Zion, while I think Zion will be an incredibly impactful player pretty much immediately once he steps on the floor, I do question how all of the pieces fit. Um, and obviously as Mike alluded to having to potentially pay Ingram and then what you do with Drew and whatnot, um, New Orleans definitely has more outs to building a really incredible roster, but I think it's just more of an unknown. Nikhil Alexander-Walker's yeah, been a little I think bit that's... of a letdown, too, I'll add. He had the ridiculous yeah. league. It was a little bit – he had an okay preseason, a little bit better. Oh, every, 
Everyone at Daily Roto knows that Nikhil Alexander-Walker's had some rough results in his short <laughs> NBA career because Ricky Sanders is just like, oh, no, he's like a, probably like a 35 usage rate guy. <laughs> so every, every, time, every time one of the guards are out and he's going to get big minutes, he just always is showing up in the, uh, in the optimizer. So Less moving on, so uh, big, big, big question for you, Drew. Daniel Gafford, NBA player, true or false? I mean, yeah, he's an NBA player, but he's an NBA player that's a center, which means, you know, unless you're, unless you're a unbelievable rim protector and can switch on the pick and roll, you're just a guy. So he's just a guy. Like, uh, he's, he's fine. He's an NBA player. Uh, he will probably put up decent fantasy stats. One of the guys that uh, I will tilt about later in when talking about my NFBKC team, but uh, he'll probably put up decent fantasy stats the next four or six weeks. The Bulls will be way worse defensively because I think Wendell Carter Jr. has really masked a ton of their issues. Uh, him and Chris Dunn as a defensive tandem have really helped the Bulls defense be pretty good. Um, I think Gafford won't, will not be able to protect the rim the way Wendell Carter Jr. does, nor will he be as switchable kind of on the perimeter as Wendell Carter Jr. So I think the Bulls will lose that from a perspective. I would expect Zach Levine's production to pick up dramatically just because I think Gafford's going to be a better screener than Wendell Carter Jr. And I think he'll get more looks uh, that way. But yeah, Gafford will come in for the next three, four weeks. He'll play fine. Luke Cornett will get some minutes. He'll play fine. From a fantasy perspective, those guys will put up some numbers. And when they're cheap in daily fantasy, uh, there will be opportunities to play them. But I think he's just a guy. I don't think he's anything that's, you know, shifting the, the future of the franchise. Another good summer league guy. He had a, uh, really one of the better, I'd say him and Carson Edwards and a couple mm-hmm. other guys just had like really big summer leagues for second round picks. But yeah, like you said, and even the, the first start he had, he was running around like he had all the energy in the world. And you could see at the end of his first stint, he was just done. Yeah. Uh, so so um it'll take some time for him to adjust to the bigger minutes but yeah like you said he's gonna be he's has gonna have gonna have a pretty good block rate not the best rebounder but he's gonna get a lot of dunks he had uh, i think like four or five dunks and a half um before we had the, the start when Rundle carter got hurt um he, yeah he's been been pretty solid so um yeah definitely a guy who i added in a bunch of leagues um especially deep release it's hard to pick up centers so i think he's gonna be pretty good he's gonna probably shoot mid 60s from the field obviously not a good yeah fit but um yeah blocks are gold so uh, i'm trying to think think i'm trying to think of uh, a good comp for him and i don't really have a good one because i think he's like he's you know he's not traditional center size but he's a really good role man yeah in the pick and roll he dives really hard um he's pretty active as you said he like moves around quite a bit but he's just a little bit undersized he's got like the statistical profile of some of these dudes who are like you know, like Capella types in a much lighter sense. Right. Um, but he, but he's not as impactful on the court because he, he, he's just not as big. Um, so I don't have a really good comp for him, but I think he'll put up really good field goal percentage numbers, almost like a Willie Cauley Stein type. Although Willie Cauley Stein's a little bit bigger from a from a height perspective. Might be better block rate too, I think. Yeah. So I think like that type of player is is yeah. kind of what he is, which which is fine, totally fine in the NBA. But there's just so many Why? that. Drew, why did the Bulls just want to kill Laurie Markkinen? Like, why? Why is ever like he he gets an ankle injury and they're like you got to play, and they they he gets like a heart condition yeah. and they're like all right forty forty eight minutes in overtime. Like, why why do they want him to die? I mean, this is this has been long been the Bulls thing, you know, back to the Thibodeau days. But I you know I think a lot of people assume that that was just just a Tibbs only thing, and I really think it's an organizational thing. You know, uh, John Paxson and. Um, Gar Foreman are kind of, you know, 
hard guys and they hired a guy in Jim Boylan who wants to be kind of like a tough guy as well. And their thought process is you just keep working harder and harder and harder. And if you're hurt, you just work through it. And there's a lot of sports science that would suggest this is insane and stupid. Uh, but they don't really care much for science. Um, so it's just the way the Bulls <laughs> they, have been. I they mean, do hate science. It's true. That's I mean, true. We, they do hate talked, it. We've talked about this before, but, you know, the Bulls literally cleared Luol Deng to play in a game where he had a leg fracture. Like he had a fractured leg and their training staff cleared him to play. And then they almost screwed up a, a spinal tap with him and almost killed him. Like they, they just, they, they, they do not have the greatest reputation um, around uh, the league uh, in terms of, in terms of taking care of their players. They're probably the Gettleman of the front of, of the uh, yeah. NBA front office. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> they're, uh, you, they're you don't, probably... you don't love to see that. They're probably yeah. pretty close. Although I will say, like, this offseason, I thought they finally made some sharp moves in terms of – it was weird. They've always drafted pretty well. Like, they've yeah. always, you know, drafted generally, like, pretty good players. But this year, I didn't think they drafted very well. And then I thought that – like, Gafford's fine. Gafford was a good pick. But I thought Kobe White was, like, a, a pick that just has no upside for the pick that you're taking him at. Like, his best case you're drafting, scenario – You're drafting a six-man. Like Yeah, his best case scenario is Lou Williams. Williams. Yeah, in the top yeah, yeah. ten of the draft. Like, you're, ta- you're and you're doing it just because you don't know about other dudes. Um, so, I thought I thought they drafted poorly. But I thought the Thaddeus Young move made a lot of sense. Um, I thought Sadoransky was a great pickup for them for what they were trying yeah. to accomplish. But I think they did all of this with, you know, cheaping out on the coach. Um, basically they have Boylan because they were paying him at like an assistant levels rate uh, when they fired Hoiberg and they just were like, yeah, oh, we're not going to pay two coaches at one time. And they've lost a lot of close games this year, lost a lot of games in the fourth quarter where they've had big leads. And I think a lot of that is due to really ineffective coaching. And I think this is why, um, you know, a lot of people were probably higher on the roster than what's uh, come of it this year. I think the roster is still okay. I think Laurie playing poorly has really, really hurt things, but I think they're just ridiculously poorly coached. Uh, you guys are both wrong about who the gentleman of the NBA is, though. The gentleman of the yeah. NBA also lives in New York, and his name is James Dolan. Though I guess yeah. I guess he's an owner he's and not owner. a general manager. Yeah, he's the owner, yeah. Who is the Who is the next general manager right now? Scott Mills. Perry. The Mills oh, and Perry. Yeah, yeah. Per- Mills, oh, yeah. yeah. Mills and Perry. Yeah, Mills and Perry. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that whole organization, like whatever, they're well, all the, they're all the, the Gettleman's. When the trade rumors popped up, uh, was it last week with the Drummond stuff? I was like, oh, oh Knicks. man, dude, no, Knicks. that was Knicks. No offense, I'm not trying to rip anybody, but the reporter that had that has had some off the wall stuff before. It was just yeah. kind of spoofed for him, I think. Like, oh, I'm sure. Well, I'm sure it was, but I'm, it's one of these things that sometimes I feel like. Um, you know, teams obviously manipulate the media to float stuff out there mm-hmm. to see like what fan interest would be and whatnot. And I kind of feel like, you know, that one could have been spoon fed from Drummond's agent as well. Just like, yep. trying to garner more interest, but it wouldn't be, it wouldn't surprise me if that was spoon fed from the Knicks too, just to see. And then they like kind of react, but yeah, the Knicks, uh, that off season, I know like I, a lot of my closest so much friends, are, are, a lot of my closest friends are Knicks fans and i mean they are just so tortured as a fan base that they really have no they they have no logical perspective i actually got a text this morning a text this morning from my friend that said um it might be too small a sample size to get excited about but rj barra went eight for ten from the free throw line last night (laughs) and shooting over 70 percent over his last 20 games maybe there's something here these people are tortured people they're tortured people. They have. I mean, imagine, have... imagine, imagine looking at RJ Barrett as like the light, 
Imagine R.J. Barrett being the light, Drew. But, like, knowing – they know basketball. This is the thing about Knicks fans. They know basketball. Yeah, they, they know basketball. It's just a torture chamber. They understand what things are going wrong, but they're so beaten down and they're trying so hard to, like, figure out what the bright light is that they'll take anything, man. So they know that R.J. Barrett not making free throws is a problem. And that's a problem for like a high usage wing player. And that's very indicative of players likely not being successful at the NBA level in terms of efficient scoring. They realize all this and they're still like focused on like, Oh, maybe, maybe it's coming around. Maybe it's coming around. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's figuring it out. They are, I feel so badly, but like this off season, my Knicks fans friends were like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, at least they didn't spend a bunch of money on guys that are going to be uh, there for the future. And, you know, they can trade these guys at the deadline. I'm like, no, they can't, they can't trade these guys. Like, yeah. They're not going to get nobody's trading. Trade nobody's trading for Bobby Portis. Like this is, this yeah. isn't, this isn't what's happening. And they're like, well, you know, at least we won't be terrible. I'm like, Oh no, no, no. You're, you're going to be quite terrible. Um, none of these guys play defense. They don't pass the ball and they all play the same position. This is a horrible idea. It's going to be a very, very bad team. And they're like, well, you know, at least... Uh, we'll, but, we'll, but other we'll than that, it's fine, though. Hey, they beat no, no. the Heat, man. They did. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they that was... Playing like, better. They've had they, two terrible to, losses lately. To Mike Miller's credit, they've been playing yeah. better. Mike Miller seems to understand not only uh, modern players, but understands, like, a little bit more about how to use guys. But all these guys that they signed, you know, has limited the playing time for Mitchell Robinson which is yeah. probably the thing that they should be most interested in figuring out what they have. How, how, how surprised were you when you guys learned that the Mike Miller coaching the Knicks is not the former long-haired Miami Heat Mike Miller? Because uh, I assumed when I read Mike Miller that that was the former basketball player Mike Miller, and I was I mean, I, uh, 20, yeah. 27 years old when I found out it wasn't. Nice. I mean, I, I knew that he was a G-League coach, so I, I kind of knew, but yeah. Was, was he a player, too? Like, I've literally, before he got hired as the Knicks head coach, I've never heard his name before. And I, like, I know so. I several assistant head coaches. Yeah. Okay. So, I'm not a total idiot. The story no. I mean, no, it was pretty popular. Was, a lot of people did that. Some people on Twitter all over the place were like, oh, Mike Miller. Yeah. The story would be cooler if it was Mike Oh, Miller. for sure. He played for the Heat and yeah. played everywhere. Yeah, the Speaking of Mike Miller, who did play for this team, the Cavs' apocalypse. Well, I mean, what is going on in this building? First of all, it seems like this coach is just bad, and uh, he should probably he should he should be gone. But uh, I mean, they're they're like Sexton and and Garland don't like each other, and Kevin Love hates everybody. Like LeBron, LeBron left this place just in a, a state of disarray, the likes of which we've never seen before. It's crazy, Mike. Yeah, it's really bad. Uh, I get, I'll take the positive side of it. Uh, I think Garland and Sexton are both well. playing a little bit better. Yeah, uh, yeah last they are. For Garland, he's at uh, 16 and 5 assists on uh, 48 from the field, 36 from 3, 84 from the line. So he's almost flirting with um, 50, 40, 90 uh, over that eight-game stretch. Uh, and also Sexton's been better too, 22 points per game over his last 10. Uh, he's shooting uh, 66% of his shots in the paint. Uh, shooting better from three lately, so that's a positive. But the whole beeline thing last week, oh my god! Like it couldn't, it couldn't. The timing couldn't have come worse. Uh, Tristan Thompson had a a big game after that. Had a career high, first thirty point game of his career, like six hundred game. But um, they had a big win too. They beat Denver. Uh, so yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind Denver. of the yeah yeah the on, the encore stuff's been kind of better. They're not playing terrible right now, but I mean without going too deep like that that's just if, if he said that i don't even know how you have a slip of the tongue like that 
But um, this either here nor there, I guess. But uh, yeah, it kind of is what it is. They have to make some trades. They'll unload some guys. Larry Nance being hurt kind of is a buzzkill. But uh, and then uh, Kevin Porter Jr., who was really starting to play well, him getting hurt uh, was really like you mentioned about the Knicks. Like that was one of the bright spots. It's like, well, we may have got a steal in Kevin Porter Jr., uh, who's been really one of the best non-lottery picks so far. I thought, but um, yeah, other than that, like it's it's going to be a mess. We'll see what they can get for Kevin Love or. See what they could do. I don't think they get anything for Tristan Thompson, but uh, and like we we said this before, the reports were that the Cavs want a first, and they also are hearing that they have to give a first to get off Love's contract. So it's definitely not going to be easy for them to rework their roster, and they haven't. And I mean, they, what are they going to do? They have LeBron, and then all of a sudden he bolts. Like it's going to be tough to kind of reset your plan uh, after that happens. So. Uh, it's, it's it's they have a built-in excuse, but yeah, it's definitely going to be pretty messy for the next. They're going to be one of the worst teams in the NBA for the next three or four years. I think one of the it's challenges a tough when yeah. you have when you have two young ball dominant guards is I think the growing pains are even harder than a lot of other teams because you can't get into the flow of consistent offense as these guys are kind of piling up reps of just learning how to run an NBA offense. And if you look at what their guard situation has been the last few years, with the exception of kind of a brief stint with George Hill, um, it's basically been ball dominant score first oriented guards with Sexton, Clarkson, uh, now Garland. And I think that takes a toll on the rest of the development of other players because they're not getting kind of normal NBA sets. And then you bring in a college coach who runs a little bit of a different offense as well. And so I think it's just been kind of a a challenge developmentally. They have been playing better, especially Garland. I think he's shown some of the more traditional point guard oriented skills that is pretty intriguing. Um, But yeah, it's, I mean, we all knew when LeBron left that it was going to be a long road to hoe for this team. And it, it certainly appears it's going to be that way. But I, sometimes I, I feel like, you know, there's a lot of um, intangibles that teams will look for with veteran presence and stuff like that. Sometimes I think kind of a, a veteran ball handler can just help a young team, like get into sets correctly and with the right amount of time on the clock and give time for players to develop a little bit better under normal conditions that I think a slew of young kind of score first guards uh, can be challenging to work through. I think that, uh, I think that makes sense. All right. We're, we're, we're pulling in, we're pulling in the trade machine right now, or we can just make stuff up. We don't, these, these don't have to exactly fit under the, uh, under the cap rules, but I will pull up the trade machine. Uh, Dink, what is your favorite possible trade right now? Does one, does one come to mind? I mean, for me, because apparently um, Christian Wood is only going to have fantasy value if Andre Drummond is moved. I just want Andre Drummond moved to Atlanta, like as quickly as possible. Um, So we can unlock Christian Wood because I'm just sitting on this goldmine of fantasy potential that he's only apparently playing backup center to Drummond now. And it's like the worst possible thing. He's playing backup center to Drummond while sharing the floor with Thon Maker, who plays the actual center spot. So his rotation is cut short because it's only minutes behind Drummond and his usage is cut short because he's like uh, sprawling out the three-point line. So I, you know, for, for my own personal uh, investment purposes, I'd like Andre Drummond shipped to Atlanta as quickly as possible. I had the same thought, <laughs> the exact same thought. Um, yeah, so we saw, like you mentioned, uh, on Saturday, he went for 17, 14, three blocks, yeah. steal, and yeah. just 26 minutes when Drummond got ejected. There is some overlap with, with him and Drummond, but it's very little where it's really cutting into his fantasy upside. And I mean, 
there's really nothing that that really strikes me as far as like maybe like a Chris Paul trade, so I could see more SGA on ball, something like that. But uh, they're not they're not doing it though, man. They're 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 yeah, just like so. you they're know what good. we're good. They're yeah. too good. We're, we're making we're making the playoffs. Like they're I agree. they're I don't like think they're going to. But uh, yeah, how crazy even, is that, dude? Or even something crazy like uh, Drew Drew Holiday to Denver would be pretty cool. Um, especially well, this Gary Harris thing if he's hurt, we'll see what happens with that. Oh, I I want to talk. I just like three minutes on Michael Porter Jr. Like it was really cool at first. He came in and he was awesome, hit a bunch of shots, and then that he's been really disappointing since then. Like, do is it just like an adjustment curve? How has he looked to you, Drew? Um. Yeah, I think there's going to be an adjustment curve. I think the challenge is with any of these these young players who their first taste of playing, especially if they're like scoring dominant ball ball dominant players, their first taste of the NBA will often come through garbage time or it'll come through like reserve rotations. Um, and those are going to be easier minutes for these players to do what they normally do. Then I think Porter was kind of inserted into the starting lineup He's asked to play with starters a little bit more, which, you know, with Jokic shouldn't be that hard of a transition, but it's better if you're a cutter and you're not as ball dominant. And so I think Porter's struggling to find kind of his fit without the ball in his hands. And I think that's where he can be really, really interesting uh, with the Jokic lineups, but I just don't think he's got that mentality yet because he's just been used to playing with the ball in his hands quite a bit. I do have a, I do have a trade machine that I just put together that I, that I would like to, like to send off let's let's hear it we talked about how i want how i think Derek favors should be more heavily targeted how about this one what do you guys think of boston sending gordon hayward to the pelicans for Derek favors and jj reddick what uh pretty crazy you think that would work or no you think Uh, they should just stick with why 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 do they want favors over canter and tice like i i don't understand the the logic on thinking that that's that big of an upgrade I think Favors yeah. is, a, is a huge upgrade over Cantor and Dice, personally. Yeah, I agree. And they do um, kind of have a surplus there. And they're good. And think about like their 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 basic line, their play their playoff lineups, right? Are going to be Tatum, Brown, Kemba, whoever's starting at center, and then Smart or Hayward. And they'll rotate those guys around or whatnot. But then you can also with you know with Reddick, you get kind of that act that that added shooting component, which they have a lot of guys who are willing to take threes and they can space out the floor very well because they play, you know, a lot of kind of four out type sets, but they could have kind of that offensive component as well. I think the challenge that they're going to run into in the playoffs is their, their center platoon situation is going to get exploited in the playoffs. You need somebody who can play both sides in the playoffs. If you're really going to be a championship level team and teams are going to pick apart Cantor defensively, like they always have, and teams are going to um, – and Tice is just a guy who's going to get himself in foul trouble against, you know, Embiid or uh, even – I mean, they've done okay against Giannis. But I, I think ultimately, like, that's going, to be a, that's going to be a struggle for them. I think Favor shores up a lot of that. They definitely need – that's what they're going to – I mean, it seems pretty obvious. We talked about where Sean Holmes is, like, kind of like a pipe yeah. dream for them. I see. Right see, I like that good. better. I, I like that. Yeah. I like adding a more dynamic athlete as opposed to adding yeah. Favors, who is just like center Gordon Hayward. Favors is good, man. I, I'm not saying Especially he's not good. Yeah. I, I think Favors is really good, but like when I think of dynamic athlete can create plays in and of his own, and, and like I just I think I do not think of Derek Favors. Yeah, I'm with you. 
but it, it, that's definitely like they, they have they have plenty of ammo to do it. I know that <laughs> Zach Lowe and other people seem to think that Marcus Smart. And like, it always made sense to trade Marcus Smart, given how they kind of built through the draft with Edwards and Romeo Langford, and they drafted a lot of guards. So you would think that that would be a better fit. Just smart, smart is so integral yeah, to what they do, though. For sure, like he's so especially come playoff time. Yeah. Um, <sighs> I don't know Dink why. just wants the. You just want the Celtics to have another Al Horford. You're just like so addicted to like the, the Al Horford. I like, do love Al Horford. Like it's just like Al Horford is like um, he's like the the extra two percent of NBA players. It's like he's not athletic. Uh, he's not dynamic at all. He doesn't score well, very other, much, but other, his team other, wins when he's on the court. If they're gonna do a smaller move, what they should do is they should go back and get Aaron Baines. Yeah, like, I don't. I don't know why they did. I don't know why they let Aaron Baines go in the first place. Well, for cap to save cap space, right, or something. I mean, he made like he's making like one year five and a half. Yeah. Like I don't know. Yeah, it feels. Was, what if what if what if they just went for for Frank instead? No, I'd love stop, to see that. How much? How much? How much would a white? How much would a white? How much would a white like tall center get love in Boston though? Like he would be. He'd be like the new like their new like mascot. You're aware that Aaron Baines is white. <laughs> isn't he australian not? though that doesn't that doesn't really yeah, doesn't count, count. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it doesn't what? count okay dink this is right. just this is just I science under, dude. i don't understand i don't understand you guys uh yeah i don't understand but everyone, I, i'm pretty sure Kam, i'm pretty sure Kam, kaminsky is polish so that just that's just gonna that's just gonna go a plus in boston uh and he hates, what and he about i mean the, he trolls the cubs all the time too so that would probably go over well with uh boston <laughs> true well, I mean, but isn't the answer to the Boston scent like their rotation? Isn't it just like Time Lord like not being hurt anymore and realizing much, his yeah. ceiling? No, I don't. I so I just don't. I don't think it's going to get there quick enough for him. Yeah. Um, at least to be Except playing big sucks. playoff minutes. I think the I think the this, the answer that they're going to have is Tice. Like they've been very effective with Tice at the at the five. Yeah. But I think the challenge with Tice is is going to be playoff time. Um, especially in the Embiid matchup, the Embiid matchup is just a is a really bad one for them now without Horford, without Baines. Yeah, I think th- I think that the answer would be to like I don't think like I was trying to say like getting off they have to almost get off Time Lord if they really want to make a push for a big man that they could use, you know? Because I think I think I think that most people feel that Time Lord is still has big potential. I always talk about that game against the Spurs yeah. when he was ridiculous. Um, just to show his ceiling, but uh, when they won by like thirty-five or whatever it was, he was just ridiculous. But um, that's pretty much what it comes down to. Are you are you willing to cut Time Lord for a trade to go get somebody? Because a lot of teams would would be. Why would to- you? I mean, no, dude, you got to have the long eye. Like you can't, you can't cut Time Lord. He's so good. Yeah, I agree. His but his think, his think, up his upside is so good. But if they're gonna get somebody who's gonna be an impactful center, what else? Think? I don't because I don't know if giving up Hayward's the answer. I think Hayward's playing pretty well. Oh yeah, he's he's playing fine. It's just hard to like they're they have nothing to trade from an asset standpoint, contract wise. Yeah, besides Tyler. <laughs> well, no, but he doesn't make that much money. Oh, okay, yeah. For like, yeah. Well, I mean, they can figure out the rest of it. Like, so, but no, the, the guys that they have that make big money are all the guys that you wouldn't want to trade. So they so it's it's Kemba, it's Hayward, it's Smart. Like everybody else makes like a million, two million. So to get somebody big, they have to trade 
one of those guys, which is why you could do something really small, like the home stuff or like Baines or whatever, yeah. and you can move those pieces around. But to get like a Favors or a Drummond or anybody like that, they would have to give up Smart or Hayward. Yeah. I guess. Uh, okay. Another, well, another. Actually, real quick, uh, we never really get to Go ahead. wrap up on uh, Porter Jr. Um, oh so if you remember back uh, when he had that 25 point game in Indy that Saturday, it was like, Oh, Mike Malone, he's gonna be the first perimeter guy at the bench. He's going to play 25 minutes a game since then. Hasn't hit 25 minutes at all. Only played 12 minutes in that one game. Just totally losing playing time. He had a pretty good game on Sunday, but, uh, dude, yeah, it's rough. It's been, I know a lot of people in fantasy are pretty annoyed, but, uh, now that Gary Harris is banged up, uh, banged up, we'll probably see a little more Porter Jr. So. Definitely kind of put up or shut up time, but I don't there's think going to be a, there's going to be a path, and they have every incentive during the second half of the season to figure out how well he can develop with the starters. You know what I yeah. mean? Because yeah. they're they're going to be good enough that they're going to have you know a top four seed. They should be thinking, okay, what are the what are the paths that we get to being a legit title contender? And one of the paths is Michael Porter Jr. being a really good player and a part of their rotation. And so I think they'll have every reason to try to figure it out. They know what they have from everybody else on that roster. Um, I'll add that Jamal Murray, Monty Morris lineups have been pretty good lately too. Um, Monty Morris is is really good. Monty Morris is really good. I'm I'm concerned because I really thought Jamal Murray was like kind of the key to this whole thing. I thought he was going to be Dame. Like I thought a year or two ago, I thought this guy was going to be Dame. Like he was ahead of Dame or, or similar to Dame uh at a younger age in his in terms of the years in the league in terms of his production and he just has taken zero steps forward the last two years yeah and yeah, like, he went to the line a lot yesterday paid, but the free throw rate's they, not up and everything yeah, and they paid him early yeah and so that's, that's the, the that's that, i mean that's the risk in, in paying those guys early put, yeah it's yeah. gonna put them in a bad spot like that's that's the their their window is is much shorter than I think people think because unless unless Murray's in you know uh development is not linear but right now we haven't seen improvement in the last uh you know year year plus two years of, of hey that. man at least at least Jokic is good again though like yeah, they, like it just turned it just turned out Jokic needed to play himself in a shape like like Shaq used to do we I mean we knew that like we knew that, that, that we were a little worried. I was worried about him a little bit. Uh, I was, I was, I was worried. You weren't yeah, worried sure. because you're a true believer. Uh, but I thought, I thought Jokic just like losing some of his athleticism was a, was a big deal. I mean, he doesn't like his the the athleticism that he has. He didn't lose. He just looked slow and fat. But his athleticism is not his speed. His athleticism is his his court vision. And his and his creativity and his shooting and that stuff like that's that's not going to go away because of his his physique like so yeah he's right he's right I mean if he if he if he re- if he got to a certain point of fatness it would have oh, I don't know man um, I don't know did you kind of that, athleticism like, did you not have uh, the relationship with your dad where like you know at like forty five your dad was still schooling you in the driveway like. <laughs> No, I mean he still he would and... still he would still own me, but my dad is my dad is uh he's taller than me, a lot taller. Yeah. <laughs> so tough uh tough scenes as the kids say there. Oh uh, Jamal um, Murray's played a lot better lately though. The we last need like, it. month the last we three weeks it. three weeks he's been good. 
We needed Jamal. I, I mean, I love, I love, I would love because I had so much confidence that he was going to be great. I would love to see it happen, but it just has not happened for the last year and a half. So hopefully, hopefully it, it is coming. It's coming. Drew Dinkmeyer. Okay. Out of the top four teams, Lakers, Clippers, Bucks, and Rockets are top four in title odds right now. Uh, who do you guys like best to win the NBA championship? Because, and, and you guys can feel free to correct this take if you would like. I actually feel like for the first time that I can remember since 2009, so basically about as long as I've been involved in professionally or semi-professionally covering uh, sports, it really feels like there are maybe 10 teams that could actually theoretically win the NBA championship. Where are you at with the title race right now, Drew? 10? You're out of your mind. Yeah, it's not 10. I was going to jump on you for that. Let me, I will, let me, I'll pull it up right now and I will tell you guys, and maybe this, this can be the segment. I will, yeah, yeah. Just, I will just read we'll go the through the list. Yes or no. Okay. Let me, let me pull up the futures market real quick. Okay. Championship winner, Lakers. Uh, plus three hundred, basically w- without juice. Yeah, that's so, that's a that's obviously. Yeah, Clippers, yeah, yeah, obviously. Yes, yes yeah. those two teams can win the title. Yes, yep. Bucks, obviously. Yes, Rockets. I Rockets. I think no. yes. I think no. That's a stretch. Sure. I think it's possible, but it's a stretch. No. James Harden is very Westbrook. good. James Harden's Westbrook incredible. Yeah. James Harden's incredible. They uh they if they trade Westbrook for CP three, yes. Okay. All right. Whatever. Uh, the Philadelphia 76ers. I mean, they were, they were a bounce away from being in the championship last year. I think clearly. Yes. Yes. I think, I think the 76ers, by the way, are a great matchup for the bucks because their defense is so good. Yep. Uh, the Boston Celtics. I think the Boston Celtics can win. No, no. What if they trade for Derek favors? Yes. Yes. (laughs) You, you literally think if they just got an above average center, it means they had to get through pretty much. They had to beat the Bucks and the Sixers. It's going to be really hard for that team to be able to to be able to beat those two teams. They cannot have platoon centers. They can't. They're, they're what I, what I, Drew? It. What I'm hearing you say is that is that the uh, the Kyrie Irving led Celtics were actually a better team that that uh, that Kyrie's actually good the, uh, and contributes to winning Al, basketball. The Al Horford led uh, the Al Horford led Celtics. <laughs> were a better team, I agree. Uh, I also would like to note that uh, Kyrie made his triumphant return. Last night and got yes. the Nets off of a big losing streak. I think it was a great. Uh, well, I guess it wasn't a losing streak. They won the game before. Listen after but, two games, they'll be yeah. Yeah, uh, they. But I I commend Kyrie for correctly identifying the return date of a Sunday game against the Hawks. You can't. You can't. I mean, you can't be better than that. You can't find a better spot on the schedule than that. Well done, it's, Kyrie. Oh, well, uh, it was what a difference a week makes, man. Like last Saturday, it was like, oh my God, he's out for the season. He can't even get his arms up to shoot the ball. Um, yeah. he's he's, he saw the, he saw the Hawks coming up on the schedule. Yeah. Unreal, man. I, like, I was total about face. I know a lot of people are like, oh, do I drop Kyrie Irving? Yeah, obviously can't do that. But it was, I did not see that. I thought he'd be out to the brick for sure. So I was for sure wrong about that one. But yeah, it's great to see him back and. Uh, be fun to see this whole Dinwiddie Kyrie starting next to each other thing. I think that'd be pretty cool. Although I'd like to see LeBert start, given that I'm a. All right, who, who's after the Celtics, Davis, in your 10 yep. team list? So I disagree so that with. Seven? That's, I think that's six. Seven teams. I think that's is that six teams, and we've approved four. Yeah, well, you guys are wrong think, about the Rockets, I, I though. Houston, yeah, I said Houston's okay. I okay. think Houston's like, okay, so Dink, you're just, Dink, you're just. I, I just think it's possible. 
Because, I mean, if, Hard- <laughs> if Harden gets hot, and Westbrook's been playing great lately, and if Capella has to get healthy, obviously this heel thing. I mean, I just, the, like, let the Drew... Pro- the, the pro- Drew the problem- just wants to go after the narratives. That's all. Right. Drew loves yeah, the narratives. The problem that Westbrook's is, bad. So, I, I, I think the problem is, is that every year you get further out, and this was the whole idea about why they were kind of trading CP3, is when you rely on this older roster to get through series after, 100 games. after series, guys like P.J. Tucker are going to start to wear down, and they're really important. And so I just don't think they're going to be able to withstand what the regular season ta- – the toll the regular season takes on their bodies. Now, they're, doing, they're trying to manage Russ, but by trying to manage Russ, they're playing hard in ridiculous amounts. And it just, I think it's just too much. They're just not a deep enough team. And, you know, when they transitioned ownership and they were talking about how, you know, the number one goal was to be, you know, trying to bring a championship, they made a bunch of decisions that financially did not uh, seem to line up with that. And I think that's going to hurt them. I think maybe they could play uh, Isaiah Hartenstein had a pretty He's played great. He's played great. But I think if they could fit him into the rotation and then maybe dial back. Tucker from they got a dial back thirties. They got a dial back Tucker. Yeah, because it is we laugh about his usage rate being nine single digits all the time, but he definitely exerts a lot of uh, energy on defense. Yep, especially at the pace they're playing. They're playing at one hundred four pace with with him on the floor, so that's adding basically another couple minutes to his game. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you, but I I think that they'll be able to figure it out. Um, You know, we still got a ways to go, but. Man, just real quick before we finish this list, that four five matchup is for the first round is going to be rough. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's going to be very uh, the hard. Four, the four five three six in that in the West is going to be great. Well, I think Dallas has cooled off a little bit. Like we thought, that, they're for it'll, sure the six. It'll sure still be six, it'll right. still be very fun. Yeah, I guess Porzingis being hurt is part of that. Yeah, but. It'll okay. Still so be where are we at fun. here? We're at six teams. Yeah. So, so I have I have Denver. I have I have two more that I think can win. And it's going to be so hard. Drew is going to say no, but he's not going to want to. And my my logic here is this would require a trade. It would require them to make a win-now move, but it would be the Dallas Mavericks no. and the Miami Heat. I think the Miami Heat roster is good enough, and I think so they you, have the best you coach. Left, you left off two teams that I would put ahead of those two teams. Yeah, that I, would, I would also I, say De- no Denver, Denver, Denver and Utah. Utah. Yeah. Utah's playing Denver and Utah. right now. I think Utah Denver and Utah paths. do not have the store power. I think Utah has more paths, but I'd still say no on those teams. I think it's possible. I, I guess you and I define possible as different. I think in the I'm like, saying this, I'm saying these are single, like if this was a single elimination tournament, I would say yes. The series I I think Utah's just, defense is going to be really good. Ingles playing well has been big. I, I'm a big Royce O'Neal guy. Gobert has been playing lights out. Just awesome I think Utah. I think Utah is more real than Houston. I think Utah is more real than Denver. Utah is the first team that I'd have on the iffy list. Yeah. No way. That I would lean out. Yeah. This is this is such a basketball hipster take, dude. This no, is not. like this is like. You, no, because Houston is just better than Utah. Houston is a better basketball team than the Utah Jazz. I don't know about that. No, they have a better I mean, basketball player than the U.S. Dink, you can, get, you can get very good odds on Utah bets right now if you believe that to be true. You I, can get – they're like dude, good Utah bets. This was um, – what was it? Was it Utah OKC last year? Was that the first-round playoff series? I can't yeah, – I'm not I, talking about no this with you. To, yeah. Like that was – like last year's playoff series, like I, I, I've done this before. I'll do it again. Like, yeah, you, and Utah's better this year. Conley's been why terrible. would you bring up why would you bring up that playoff series? 
<laughs> so the, these are these are the numbers you can get on Utah right now. They, you can get them at plus money to win the division. So to beat uh, to beat out uh, Denver, you can get them at twenty to one to win the NBA championship. You can get them at eleven to one to win the conference. Like there are there there are so many good Utah numbers out there. If if that if you um, like. I if you think plus, they're that, cause... I, think, I think plus money to win the division is good. Yeah, I think they're better than Denver. I think they're yeah. better than Denver. I agree. You guys both think that's good? Yes. Yeah, I like that. All right, yeah. all right I'm going to bet it right now. Yeah. <laughs> I think so that's right. the, we per- so Utah we purchased that ticket. Nine and ten, or do we say we said my uh, Tor- is Toronto? I, I I I got I got to eight. I think that I think much like much like. Uh, the Jazz. I think that the Raptors are super good, but probably don't have the star no, power to do it without do. Kawhi. I think They're, I think of the I think of the Raptors honestly a lot like Houston, in the sense that um, and maybe these injuries preserve some of these guys, but they're just playing these guys way too much. It's insane. And, They're playing in playoff rotation minutes yeah, already. Yeah, and that's going to take its toll over the course of the regular season. And Miami, I think, will have a little bit of the same thing. Like I love Miami, but. Um, I think they're probably going to do the Denver thing where they probably overextend themselves a little bit in the regular season chase and seeding, and then they, they, they've run into a little bit of a wall in the playoffs. Um, but I would say Miami, I, I would take um, – Do you think Utah – I think Utah has a better odds than Miami does. I agree. Okay. I, See, I think Miami. I I like Miami better than you guys. I think they have a lot of really good. Well, we love Miami. Say, we love Miami. Well, the, the the so I would so when I say that I'm thinking in the context of how good are they, not what is their path. Like the Miami path would be easier than the Utah path. So in terms of odds for betting, the Miami odds might make more sense. Um, but Utah, I think, is a better team than Miami. Clearly, yeah. Um, I think Miami. I think Miami's better than Boston, though. Uh, yeah, I think in a series, I'd probably take my assuming health and everything. I, I think I'd take. But like we said, their Bam will the split their interior. Yeah, the challenge is the Stevens factor, like giving Stevens a series to figure out your tendencies and whatnot. Um, but I think I'd take. I think I would take Miami as uh, the third best team to get out of the East in terms of my estimation. Behind Milwaukee is a clear one, and Philadelphia is a clear two. Yeah, so I'm pretty much on the same page. But after those, after I, can't, those guys. I can't believe I cannot believe this Houston Rockets slander, and yeah, I don't I even like back. the Rockets. I think, I think, I yeah, got you back, got my man. back. I, I think that they. I think, like I said, I think Hartenstein playing a little bit better has been big. Uh, ben McMore playing better has been huge. Uh, Daniel House not playing well has been a downer. Um, Eric Gordon's terrible, but yeah, that's been think, the big problem. That yeah, that has Eric been Gordon's the big problem this year. So if he shoots the ball better, like I think, that, I think that's the thing. Fun. Like Eric Gordon, Eric Gordon was a very good player the last few years, and especially on the defensive side of the ball, he played very well in the playoffs. Yeah. Oh yeah, he was saying and, in the preseason, like, oh, I wanted to be the number one ball defender. Like, okay, yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, him not but, playing uh, well. I'm, I'm just problem. a. Uh, I'm. I think they're clearly the fifth best team in the in the West if we're picking playoff odds. Like, not even close. They're not in – so I guess that's probably what yes. he's saying. Yeah. Like they're not yeah. in that class. Yeah. So I'm with you on that. I would agree, I would agree with that. Yeah. Oh, but for I, sure, yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't – like, I don't think Dallas is close to them right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's a pretty yeah. big gap there. I mean, the huge gap is after two in the West. It's, you know, Lakers, Clippers, then a big yeah. gap. See, I don't and think – I think – I don't – apparently I'm higher on Utah than you are. I think 
I think Utah's I think, really good, man. So Utah's they, had the same problem for like eight years, which is just that they just don't have anyone to go get buckets when it when it matters. Donnie's Donovan, been way more efficient Don, this year. Donovan Mitchell's been way better this year. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the big difference for them. Yeah. Um, so can Mike, play would, halfway so, decent. If, he, if so he, Mike, Conley you, could play like he did after the break last year, they're going to be tough, man. That's the X factor for them is, is yeah. Conley. But so you have it Lakers Clippers as a tier, or you have the Jazz in that tier? Yeah, I, I think, but it's not. I, so I think that the gap from Lakers Clippers to Jazz is smaller than the Jazz to the yeah, Houston, the Houston to the rest of those guys. Okay. Okay. But, yeah. There you have it. So. There we have it. All right, Drew, this is your – Miami, big gap. Philly, big gap again, and then the rest. Miami, and then so on. Like, I think Miami-Boston's pretty close. Yes. But it's going to be tough for them to win a series. I think Miami-Boston-Toronto is pretty close. I think those teams are – I don't don't buy Toronto. I think Toronto will will fade because of the health aspect. But, um, but yeah, I think those – and then I think it's a gap after that. I think Indiana, you know – we just don't know what we're going to get from both. Oh, man. They're, they're not even. They're, not. they're probably yeah. getting – I think they make it sweat, man. Uh, we'll see what – Oh, Depot coming back in the 29th. That should be uh, – I, I, I talked about this on my pod on Friday. I don't know what we're going to get out of Old Depot, man. No idea. Uh, no still rate dropped way bad last year. He wasn't really nearly as good as on defense. He was hurt most of the last season. He's a, he's a guy that de- depends a lot on athleticism. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, yeah. No idea what we're going to get from him. Yeah. All right, Drew, this is your this is your chance to tilt your waivers. So so all right. So we started off uh, back when I did this podcast regularly and talked about how bad my team was all the time. Uh, I have salvaged this team into fourth place in the league and like outside chance of cashing in the 12 team league. And I so I've done it through working the waiver wire, but three out of the last four weeks in a 12 team league with a thousand dollar fab. I have tied on a bid and lost the tiebreaker because wow. the team is below me in the standings. Three out of four weeks. The, the mathematical odds of tying on fab waivers, when you get one period during the whole week to make acquisitions, the first one was on uh, Swatter Boy, Chris Boucher, at a $47. How many dollars bid. are we talking about here? Because if it's like one or two dollars, then obviously that's right. Exactly. So yeah, yeah. Chris Boucher, $47 bid, tied, okay. lost. Wow. Okay. Net, then week off, no tie bids. Last week, my tied bid was Jordan McRae, $36, tied bid Wow, that's crazy. Then this week, last night, I looked after 10 when waivers had run, and I was like, oh, the winning bid on Daniel Gafford, $27. And I was like, wait a second, I bid $27. And I see runner-up bid $27, and I lost again. So three out of the last four weeks, three different bid dollar numbers, I've lost on ties. Yeah, the math, that's like you said, that's – I'm so shook now that how much money do you have left in your in your fab right now? We have I have four hundred and two dollars left. Wow. And I feel like totally shook because I feel like I'm just gonna have to like start like mind gaming, leveling up and being like, all right, I gotta add like four dollars on everybody. I hate that. I kind of don't like fab sometimes. It's so maddening. And and then like my next win on whoever I get like last night I got Mikhail Bridges instead and I spent like twelve dollars on him and no one bid on him. And yeah. I'm not winning any close bids, and I'm tying all the all the close bids, and I'm just tilting yeah. things off. Because like the yeah. Jordan McRae I... week from last week would have been monstrous. Oh, oh my um, god! Yeah. You mean instead, you mean Mick Michael Jordan McRae? Instead, I had Orange Mamba. Like, <laughs> instead, I had like a Derek White week in there or something. It was yeah. oh, it's just so frustrating. And this week, instead of Gafford, I'm gonna have Bridges, and the Bulls have like three four game weeks in a row. 
yeah. so yeah so i'm til- i'm tilting heavily on these tide bids i don't know i like i don't i don't know and the thing that's also frustrating is i was i would hope that when you tie a bid your like priority shifts up but it yeah. doesn't because the standings just keep the priority every week so because that. i'm like fourth in the league there's only three teams i can tie with and, and actually win a bid and i keep tying with these losers these 10th place teams that are somehow matching my exact bid. And I'm the same person. Has, has it been two of the same, per, same person got two of the guys, wow. a different person for the third. When the same person got two of the guys, I looked at the third and I was like, I swear to God, if it's the third, I'm like changing all my, I'm changing all my passwords. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like freaking out. I've been hacked. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, so it has been a very tilting experience, yeah. uh, but Leone and I are up to uh, fourth place and 13th in the overall in this NFBKC, the top three teams in our league are uh, one through three in the overall. <laughs> oh, wow. Very tilting. Yeah. Well, you have Harden on that team, right? Have Harden. Yeah. Uh, so that, you know, all that tilting about Harden for yeah. uh, instead of Carl Anthony Towns, you know, that's really, that's really, you know, it's kind of kind of come around. It's oh, come my around God. really nicely. Um, and then I picked up Gorgie Jang off waivers. So I basically have oh, huge, yeah. Towns from the yeah. second round. I have Jaron Jackson on that team. Just got Siakam back. Need Paul George oh, waivers to stay healthy. But got Christian Wood, got the Anthony Melton. I've worked this waiver wire hard, Mike. Like yeah, I'm ready it's a to good, go. It's a good team. I'm ready to go. Chris got Dunn plenty, has been plenty a of time to make up some ground. Yeah. So, but uh, but I got to stop tying on these bids. It's, it's oh really yeah. Fun. I I'm always I'm usually laying the weeds for Fab, and yep. then when it's somebody I want, I just go ridiculous. Uh, I've posted. So when Rashawn Holmes was like finally starting to come up, I spent sixty percent of my Fab on him. <laughs> Like it's just I don't know. That's how I, even for football too. Like if I that's see somebody do, I that, want, like I think that's the way to do it. I just have been slower to react on those guys. Yeah. And in these NFBKC leagues, um, they're kind of a little bit deeper leagues on the whole. Yeah, Th- those types of guys aren't around. So like I got kind of lucky where I was streaming Chris Dunn, and then I was like, oh man, Chris Dunn's playing really well. Yeah, Dunn's good. You get a guy, get so a guy off the waiver wire who's like top one hundred. So, that's a huge yeah. one. So it's like I'm gonna hold on to him. Um, and then I've just been taking shots on like the Anthony Melton, Christian Wood, uh, Jakob Pertl, just like kind of guys that I'm kind of hoping that the situations break right and there's, there's opportunities while like streaming a spot or two. Um, but you got to have the good luck of health to do that. Once, you're, once you have a few guys get injured, you got to start releasing some of these guys you're holding on to back, back in the wild, and that's when it gets crispy. Yep, yep. So fortunately, like my team started off very injured to start the year, but we've been relatively healthy last few weeks i've kind of got the reverse of that my whole my teams were really healthy and all of a sudden i'm just i got i had like i said probably it one is, of the worst i've ever had uh like i think amazing. i lost like all seven twos like it was so bad yeah it is amazing how well you like how much health plays a role in how yeah. well your season is going in season-long fantasy because like you'll think like oh i've got this great team and you'll realize my team's just been healthier than everybody else yep that's what it is and then once the injuries find you, it's like, my team's terrible. What's happening? <laughs> and you're like, oh, wait, yeah, I'm without, like, my first three picks. Like, of yeah. course my team's going to be bad. Yeah, I had, like, six guys who were, like, six of my top ten guys who all had the injury tag on Yahoo. I was like, well, I'm losing this week. Let me yeah, just try but- to win blocks and try to win a percentage category. Maybe go 6-3. Yeah, exactly. How fun for you, Drew? Are you going <laughs> to Are you gonna cash? Are you going ca- to gonna cash this league? Uh, we're trying so hard to min cash. So hard. Do you I go mean, full season? Is it full season season roto? Yeah, it's full season season roto. Yeah. Okay. So, you got, you got we're like time, man. we're like eight points back of second and third. Uh, oh, but those two, those two teams are pretty good, and we've kind of capped out the the categories we're good at. My teams, I never draft teams that are good at points 
or rebounds. Like my teams are always good at steals, blocks, threes. Yep. So I just don't, so like I kind of, what, what I hope happens usually in points and rebounds is the teams at the bottom of the league, they stop paying attention nice. and then I get a free, I get a free few points at the end of the year, but I'm going to need all of those this yep. year. Uh, easiest, easiest category to get off the waiver wire. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. All right. Last thing I want to talk about Lakers rotations. No, Anthony Davis. Are you, are, are we seeing anything uh, super relevant to our stuff other than uh, LeBron James is still a God drew? Well, how about that thunder game Davis? Cause you've been big on the Lakers being the favorite over the Clippers and Mike and I have been on the Clippers and that thunder. You, game know, well, where... you guys, you guys are wrong. It's just that <laughs> Oklahoma city is better than we all thought. No, where the Lakers, where the Lakers were without LeBron and AD, and they went in there and put up 41 in the first quarter against the Thunder, and then beat them by 15 with a starting lineup of Kuzma, Rondo, Caldwell Pope, Bradley, and McGee. Like, Dude, Kuz- Kuzma, great. Kuzma is sick of everyone slandering him on Twitter. He, he <laughs> is just he saw he saw everyone making fun of his hair. He uh, everyone was making fun of the fact that Lonzo wouldn't talk to him after the game. People were saying that Bogdan Bogdanovich is a clearly better player. And yeah. he read all of your tweets and he was like, you know what? I'm actually not interested in any of this. This is bullshit. I'm putting up, uh, yeah, 15 of 24, four for six from three that game, scored 36, was a plus 20. Rondo went 21, 12, and eight, turned back the clock. Um, Wasn't even a national TV game, so who knew he had that in? Um, Like, literally, exactly. (laughs) Like, literally, Rajon Rondo on national TV is one of the most uh, unassailable narratives in the history of fantasy sports. It's incredible, but this wasn't even that. So I don't know. I, I mean, I was I – because was, my, my big thing has always been with the Lakers that I question their depth and I question the toll that the regular season would have on yep. LeBron James and Anthony Davis compared to the Clippers guys. And here they've gone through some injuries, and their depth is playing quite well. So, like, I think if you're – and that, that was without Danny Green, too, who is one of the guys that I think is pretty good. Um, He's the third best depth. player, right? That's what everyone, yeah. everyone so, says. Yeah, so, you know – Kudos to the Lakers role players. They're, they're keeping the ship uh, moving in the right direction and keeping that number one seed. Uh, it's st- I'm still skeptical. It doesn't change my mind. Uh, maybe I'm, I'm slow to the, uh, to the take here, but um, it's been impressive how they've been able to play without LeBron and without Anthony Davis. And when they have one of the two, obviously, you know, the other guy shines with what they are. It's yeah. absurd that LeBron is still doing what he's doing. Totally ridiculous. Like, totally yeah. ridiculous that at this age, after this many miles on the tires, that he is, he is putting up this kind of production that is, like, legitimate MVP-level production. I don't think he's going to win the award, but it's, it's certainly in the, in the conversation. And he's doing this while every game that he gets announced on a national television game, people, the broadcasters are talking about how, you know, he's going to be trying to hang around to play with his son in a few years. And he's playing at like an MVP level. Like it's insane at age 35, having played over 1,200 games in the NBA, to keep doing this. Yeah, it's serious. like I don't think we'll ever see this again. I mean, by the way, by the way, do you guys know how many minutes per game LeBron has averaged for his career? Averaged 36. Davis. Uh, I mean, it's got to be 35. He's Price is 30, right rules. 38 and a half minutes per game. Wow. That's so absurd. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, because he had first, that crazy first forty. Eight year, yeah, the forty his first eight. His first eight years in the league, he averaged over forty minutes per game. Yeah. Craziness. That I don't. What a, that dude's crazy. Yeah, even still, I mean, he is a Terminator. Years. He is yeah. a freaking Terminator. He is He's just still playing a thirty-five a game. Yeah. And, uh, I, Thirty-eight uh, and a half minutes per game. Like this is Tibbs level Jimmy Butler stuff. He's done it for what? 16 years now? 17 years? Yeah, it's ridiculous. And I'll add, uh, it's per 36 without AD is 32.99, 36 usage rate, just ridiculous numbers. Uh, he's even, uh, they're even plus, uh, plus 12.4 uh, with AD and then plus 12.2 without AD. So, like, really no drop off where the other way around, AD without LeBron isn't really very good. So, yeah, this is just, LeBron's just insane. So, I, I'm with you. I still think. Again, we're assuming health. I still think the Clippers have a better chance chance to win, but uh, it's uh, I, I'm definitely on the fence. Sounds like you are too. Yeah, I mean, I think I think um, their their reserves are holding up better than I anticipated. Guys are playing well, and LeBron is holding. I mean, I cannot believe there's still no drop off in this guy's game. Yeah. He's even playing. He's playing better than he did last year for sure. Yeah, because well, he's trying on the defensive end as well. (laughs) Sure. Um, just remarkable. I mean, I think it's one of those things where you get you you start to take for granted the consistency of the production and the greatness. But my God, seventeen seasons at thirty-eight and a half minutes per game, averaging twenty-seven, seven and seven, and this year averaging twenty-five, eight and ten. Like, and count the playoff games too. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah. Which... yeah. Long best way, best player ever. Better than Michael Jordan. Everyone, thank you for listening to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon.